Deep in the farthest recesses of the most distant jungle lies a city. A city populated by the most mysterious, terrifying, and downright grotesque denizens ever seen by mortal eye. Here, in the darkened corners of this cavernous locale, sits an ordinary, average brick building with an innocuous, ordinary, average, blinking neon sign which reads, On Air. It is here where each week, Seth Breedlove and Mark Matsky convene to discuss the greatest mysteries the world has ever known. Now, strap on your hiking boots, grab your trusty walking stick, and don't forget your machete as we begin our journey through Monsteropolis. Are we doing a show about first? Do you? If we do, let's say we do a show this week on rods. Let's say so. Yes. Can we come back next week and do another show instead mm-hmm. of doing two today? Yes. Because I feel like I have nothing to talk about, and I'm also barely awake. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And the my research. Yes. This is Monsteropolis, a show about <laughs> anomalies, legends, monsters. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Seth Breedlove. I'm joined today by my pal, as always, Andy Matsky. How you doing? Back again. He's he's here every I'm week. Here now. Today he brought always. his his faithful companion, Mark Matsky. Oh hi. <laughs> it's funny you'd say that. We you did this we did the same thing during the filming of On the Trail of Bigfoot the Journey. Really? Yeah. Like I'm like, we're walking it was when we were doing a night ops and we were walking down the road and I said Oh. oh hi Mark, and then we both laughed like it was the first time anyone had ever said <laughs> anyone had ever said that. Uh, anyway, this is uh, the official it's podcast. One of, our, one of our most famous routines. It is. It's like People who's on it. first. Should have heard the crowd <laughs> crowd go wild. Uh, this is the official podcast of Small Town Monsters. You may be listening to this show on any number of podcast catchers. Or I'm going to take my face out eventually. Or you might be watching it. That's you. Yeah. You might be watching it as a member of the Small Town Monster Squad now on YouTube. Uh, We added a ton of subscribers in the last week for some reason. So if you're one of them, welcome. Don't look for any high production values because this is going to be about it. It's going to be us. Last week, though, I took clips. From the movies we talked about, and I put them into Did the you video really? show. Yeah. So oh, how cool is that's that? That's as high tech as it That'd gets. Cool. Yeah. So I ran trailers for. It was it was cool because you're talking about in search of Bigfoot, and you referenced the uh, world famous harmonica. Yes. The harmo- and oh, the, you put the is, riff in there. The riff is in the trailer. Oh, nice. So. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's great. So anyway, uh, so anyway, squad members, if you're uh, enjoying the show, thank you for being a squad member. If you're not a squad member, join up. We this past week we put up um, the director's cut of Beast of Whitehall, which uh, went up yesterday. I guess I keep thinking it was further back, but um, it's free. So if you're interested in watching it, it's got about nine minutes of added footage. Um, and then something else I did, and some of your footage is in there. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, 
I took shots I have no intention of using in Bigfoot the Journey and put them not they weren't good. I just like I knew we wouldn't be using like mm-hmm. a shot where we're just on a trail moving through the woods. That's cool. Have, I watched like 200 the of those. 10 minutes of that today during breakfast. Oh, then you probably didn't get to it. But yeah, there there's Alex's shots of um Whitehall from a distance. Those are all from Bigfoot the Journey or the filming of Bigfoot the Journey, but they're in that. Um, Mark re-narrated the whole movie <clears throat> along with uh, all the added scenes. Mm-hmm. What was that experience like? Well, that was, it was fun because I had been there. A lot more fun because I'd been there mm-hmm. um, this past summer. And following in the great tradition of Shannon LeGrow, I recorded from my closet. Yeah. It really is the only quiet place in our house yeah. that I could find so yeah it was a blast i it's something i had wanted to do for a long time and to actually get to do it was very much fun i feel like i'm the only person now who hasn't recorded in a, in a closet yet so I need it's to not get, too late yep we're gonna get a, a new office with a closet with just the, so i can record yeah i can't yeah, is it that that it's it's idea? no it doesn't do anything i tighten it and it doesn't it just still I think it's this thing. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so so yeah, you can watch that free on YouTube. It's 50 minutes long, and it's... Uh, oh, I also did like a new color grade over it, and I was miraculously able to fix some of the overexposed highlights during Paul Bartholomew's interview, which was really shocking because all I was editing... I was not editing the original files. I was editing an MP4 export... Hmm. from like and it's not it wasn't even the the final cut of the movie that i was editing it was like a cut that came wow. slightly before the final cut but that was what i was editing off of because i couldn't get into the hard drive uh that has the original files so i was able to fix some things i was able to <clears throat> add a, a unique look to the movie um and basically just slap a filter over it but it still was kind of cool mm-hmm. um Brandon took all the music and reset everything for me in the timeline so that everything lined up the way he would like it to. And then, um, and then that's about it. Like if you watch, I think if you watch it, you'll be primed for the journey when, when it comes out this April. Um, it is surprising when I'm looking at it, how, if you watch that movie now, I think when the journey comes out, it's going to be super cool. Cause a lot of the places you're looking at from a distance, we end up in like you're seeing like Carver's falls and we're yeah. like up there filming it. Well, like we go down into the Pulteney mm-hmm. river, a lot of things that are referenced, like where the Pulteney river runs, like you'll actually see that. Um, and then you'll get to see a bear road at night and, yeah. and that kind of stuff. Um, but the biggest thing is just that movie. They, it keeps referencing the Adirondacks and then shows like a clip of like a hill somewhere, <laughs> and like it, you'll be in the high peaks and and big for yeah, the journey. That, that's interesting because it really is. It's such a small slice of life, mm-hmm. the Beast of Whitehall. But yeah. that was was exciting for me was to to be able to watch it now and know what shots are a bear road. Like before, yeah, it could be anything, but yeah. now you know it's that's a bear. Yeah. I mean, because we've been there and I was also happy to be reminded of winter stuff. Yeah. That I came just in time. It last yeah. night. <laughs> I hashtagged it. Someone, um, Dan Cadigan yeah. messaged or posted something about, uh, did, did the mayor ever get his sign? 
and he's not even the mayor anymore. Oh no. Um, and, and, uh, I, I got to use that hashtag. Um, the other thing we did a, so Aaron edited together, um, what we're calling the a bear road incident walkthrough. And it's basically the entire conversation that Bill and Brian had on a bear that you get little chunks of mm-hmm. in beast of white hall. He took the whole thing and put it together. But what's really cool is there's so many pieces to that story because you've got the kids seeing it and then they go into town and then they get these other people and then the other people come out and see mm-hmm. it. And then Brian's sighting takes place later, like two days later. That's all very clearly explained in this. Whereas even in the movie, I feel like you're a little unclear on the, the exact timeline of events and you're watching Bill walk Brian through it all. Yeah. And they argue back and forth. And then a, a guy, a local farmer drives up and is making fun of him while he's driving by. And they like really? joke back and forth. And, impar- oh, wow. and then Brian like, <laughs> explains that that guy actually had a sighting too. So, so are they arguing about the sequence? of? They're events? arguing on and off about the sequence of events and when things happen and who saw what and that kind of stuff, which is really interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, th- I said yesterday when I posted about, it, I think that is the most concise, like thorough ex- examination of the timeline of events that there is like even more so than our movie. It's about, a, it's like 11 minutes long. So it's not like, astronomically long but the other thing about that is there's also video somewhere and i have it but there's a whole other series of interviews with those guys and we're trying to figure out what we want to do with those Mm -hmm. because they're not they've never been seen and it was the the interviews with them from the first trip um I probably won't release Brian's because it's out of focus the entire thing is out of focus but bill's is super cool He's sitting in front of his gun collection in his basement. Okay. Um, and it's kind of this like upward angle. It was supposed to be the B camera. Um, but it's a really interesting interview. And I think he talks about a lot of stuff that hasn't, that didn't make it into the movie and that didn't make it into the second interview. Cause when I conducted the second interview, it was like, all right, I already know what I need exactly. So that's mm-hmm. what we're going to get him talking about. Whereas with the first one, it was more like free flowing and okay. like two and a half hours. Wow. Um, that was at his house. And that's at it. That was at his house as opposed to in that field, which mm-hmm. is where the second one was. So at some point I'd like to release those for squad. Members. That would be really cool. Yeah. Um, Do you still live in Glens Falls? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and I didn't get to see him. Well, obviously you were there. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to tell you. <laughs> we didn't get to see him. Um, that's going to be up for squad. The other thing that's going up for squad is the uh, uh, production diary from On the Trail of Hauntings. And then uh, the squad podcast this week is going to be Mark, myself, and Aaron reminiscing about making On the Trail of Hauntings while Andy pretends he was there with us <laughs> um anyway we're we're that's enough talking about stuff that isn't related to the theme of the show this week we're talking about um rods it's There's, a fishing show it's a, yeah that's the, you know the hardest thing about looking up rods by the way uh shout out to andrew smith for suggesting this as a topic oh really yeah. okay uh, so Andrew, thank you. Also, once again, thank you for buying us hot dogs and various other <laughs> groceries when we were in West Virginia, taking care of us. He also made the hot dogs. Um, no kidding. Yeah, wow. made us dinner. Yeah, that's like almost the whole process. Yeah, it is. <laughs> he did. He held them between his hands and lovingly placed it in my mouth. Um, but anyway, yeah, we're talking about rods. Um, 
I got nothing to say. I got to be honest. I I did. This made my minimum amount of research look like a, a lot of research. I pretty much got on <laughs> YouTube and looked up various videos. And I went down this rabbit hole and started watching Japanese videos about rods where they were like hunting rods. And Oh, really? Yeah. And I couldn't stop laughing. And Like I they were really after? Good, they were hunting the rods. And like there was a guy that lives on a mountain somewhere that claims he's like a master catcher. And he can wow. catch them and he grabs them with his hands and stuff like that. He can direct the rods where uh, he wants them to throw, go. Well, they like. throw uh, some sort of combination of like resin and something in the air and then sawdust. And then he grabs them when he sees them. I didn't, I wasn't too clear on hmm. what the correlation is between the, the mixtures he was tossing in the air. So what, what does this famous Japanese rod catcher think they are? Well, this is a very old video, and I'm assuming this aged Japanese man is no longer with us, unfortunately. Aww. But um, he said they're just insects that lived on top of the, the mountain there and that you don't see them, that they're there. And he does not refer to them as skyfish, which is apparently the other very popular term. Um, I forget what word he had for them. It was a different word. It was like churro. Well, probably not churro. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm, I bet it was. <laughs> it was like churum or something. Is is another word for it. But um, so the the other thing, the hardest time I had with doing research on this on Google is that <laughs> is that when you punch in rods into the search engine, <clears throat> first of all, you do get some NSFW results back. Uh, and the other thing is, um, you just get a lot of fishing stuff. I guess. Yeah. So then I put in like rods, cryptids, and that wasn't really getting me the results I wanted either. Mm. So what I ended up going with was rods, uh, skyfish. Um, so that's. So adding more fish to your search. Yeah. Rods. Actually got you is this my crypto? water or yours? All right. According to Wikipedia, they're also known as solar entities. Well, there's another term for them, and it sounds uh, professional, and I can't, I'm probably not going to be able to find it, but. Air it, rods? No, it's. That's. <laughs> no, it was like there's a pro, uh, proto petro. What? <laughs> yeah. So that's like the pro. Proto terrigot goat. Proto-terragote rods, hmm. maybe. And this was like the the scientific name ascribed to them by a crazy man. Uh, <laughs> a, I'm sorry. A, a, a guy. Uh, and I know the Japanese. Uh, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't on the show. Oh. No, he wasn't on the show. Um, anyway, I'm curious to hear what you guys have learned about rods because I learned nothing. Other than the fact that it's still very much just an artifact of long exposure in a camera. Well, first, why don't you describe what rods are well, uh, for the uninitiated? For those who don't know, um, this is straight from Wikipedia. Heck yeah. Are That's my kind of research. <laughs> elongated visual artifacts appearing in photographic images or via recordings. Uh -huh. uh, they're like bugs, but they look longer. Mm. That's about That's it. That's all. I'm they're... currently doing my research now for this episode because every time... I asked my dad what we were going to talk about. He said rods, and I like chuckled and said okay, and then just oh, you didn't know going. what rods were? Well, I, I knew what rods were. I, I saw the the Oops. Monster Quest episode. Is there a Monster Quest? Yeah, That's what I there is. Watched. Yeah, a long me. time ago I saw that, and I remember being like, huh, that's interesting. 
They look like bugs. Okay, so my introduction to rods came at my grandma's house when I saw three in her living room. No, uh, it, came at, <laughs> it came at my grandma's house when I was watching TV, and I think it might have been Unsolved Mysteries. Does that sound right? Hmm, I don't. I don't know. It's the only show I can think of that would have been on that would have had rods in it. But I remember I was at my grandma Schrock's house. I was watching TV with her. And there was this thing about rods, unless it was on the nightly news, which she watched as well. I don't think I knew about rods until Monster Quest. Hmm. But having said that, Monster Quest, that episode begins with a kind of a nationwide story about a rod that was captured by a news reporter. Like they were, they, some guy went out to get b-roll of airplanes taking off and landing and there was a rod in that video and allegedly the fbi showed up and confiscated the tape so that's that could have gone like on other newscasts what would be the point of confiscation? i don't know it's, it's very strange yeah but like why would the government cover up rods because they don't want you to know about the truth about skyfish <laughs> Yes. <laughs> we're afraid of skyfish see well they You're led not? so okay maybe this so the the japanese guy said that they're poisonous he wore oh. gloves oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. wow see the the episode it led with that and it it led you at first to kind of assume that rods were huge and like and missile like mm. and then from there they sort of exploding dip- through yeah people. like it was and so it, it it implied that they were weaponry of some sort, which is why, why the FBI was interested. And then the rest of the episode goes on in a much smaller way to like deal with the more insect-like smaller rods and artifacts. Isn't there a clip of people like bungee jumping and you see the rods and they're like, this yeah. is proof. <laughs> right. Well, that's, that's a huge part of the episode is this group that does base jumping and they were base jumping down a cave. So, and, you, and they get rods yeah, on camera. So they're taping it and and the rods like fly through the frame and they are trying to make oh, this case it? of you know the guy jumping, the rod coming through the corner of the screen, and there's birds you, and other send bugs. Me, send me the link to this and I'll put it in the video version of this. So if you're if you're watching if you're listening to the show and you're a squad member, jump jump over to the video and we'll put the video in. Uh, the other Jose Escamilla or yeah. Escamilla mm-hmm. uh Escamilla, he has a video of people jumping skydiving and i've seen this video yeah, yeah. And they're like that's totally the main not bugs one. yeah because you know that's that yeah can't be i a see bug. there's a bug that's a rod man it's the rods that is a very clear rod though compared yeah. to the ones i was looking at um all right so what let's get let's get your let's get you talking about yep. how they're real <laughs> well um I mean the the like I said that episode begins with the the missile rod allegation, but then it goes in the direction of examining it in terms of is it a is it a bug? They also entertain the idea that it's some type of I don't know interdimensional either creature or particle or something of that nature, and then um, they have another guy who this might be related to that big word. That you were quoting before. Proto to her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That it's um, some type of prehistoric insect. Okay, that that is related. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that this is the the missing link between our modern 
insects and and the ancient ones. Right. Yeah. And the hypothesis being that while they are uh, in some ways they bear a, a resemblance to modern insects, they are not great at flight. Hmm. Which I thought was an interesting. From an evolutionary standpoint, it makes sense that if they would try to get better at flying mm-hmm. because yeah. they were not good to begin with. Um, so that that was another theory that was put forward. Then how do they st- stay hidden and why? Well, that's a great From question. Dimension. Wouldn't, wouldn't they just be dropping dead occasionally? Or well, like you would think if they were the not good at flight, mm-hmm. that they would be easily detectable. Yeah. And there's even a scene in the in the episode where they make a like a prototype One figure of, of what's flying by looking at the camera like, yeah. whoa! <laughs> and they, they do like drop yeah. it from a ladder or something and it just sort of floats down to the ground yeah. very sadly. Mm. So they're, they're giant bugs that are either really small or really missile-sized and they're fast. Now you're getting it. <laughs> My question is to you guys, how does this all relate to orbs? Because they're clearly, you know... Yeah, thing. I don't know if you missed the part where I said I did no research. But. <laughs> no, what do you think? I don't. I didn't either. Oh, what I thought you, you had think? like some hidden knowledge about no. like their connection to orbs that you were about I mean, to drop both, on me. I think there is a connection. I mean, they're both. I think there's a direct connection. You know, oh, I get two. dust and like yeah, camera, just ca- camera artifacts, camera artifacts. Yeah. Well, okay. When do we know? So is this the thing I was trying to find? Is is this phenomenon relatively new or is it, is it like a, an old thing? Is, are there old stories about skyfish? There are some older stories about okay. things that look like this in the sky, but they're all tied to photography. Hmm. Yeah. So there, you don't really hear about them except in relation to uh, some type of image that's captured either by a, hmm old school camera or a modern video camera. But the fact is, I think that it's, it's tied to those type of imaging. And people don't, there's people that legitimately still don't believe that or still believe that these things are real. I don't know. I mean, that's a great question because it just, until we started talking about rods in relation to this episode, mm-hmm. I just, it caused me to think, man, I haven't heard about those. No. Since probably watching that many years ago on the original episode. Well, I thought it was fairly thoroughly debunked at some point as being like shutter. What are, what are they saying? Like it's shutter speed or because because you're showing me video that that the only thing that could be at that point is shutter speed. That's not going to be a long exposure deal. Um, well, ultimately, the Monster Quest episode concludes with two things. They mm-hmm. have a an expert on there uh, talking about these sort of issues, you know, exposure and um, harmonizing, Mm. like how a a video image is actually a harmonization of a couple different images in order to get the fluid motion Mm -hmm. and that something traveling at a rapid rate of speed when something else, especially when something else is in focus. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm like the last person who should be trying to explain this, but that he sat there and he said that it's almost a slam dunk all the rods that you see on video and camera are, you know, a bug or a bird. And it, it, there, it's an effect also of the type of lighting that's in a particular shot mm-hmm. that can highlight the movement of something like that. And that that's the one thing. And then the other thing then that really kind of closes the door on it for me is they do one of their famous Monster Quest experiments 
which oftentimes goes nowhere, yeah. you know, in the history of the show. They yeah. do a thoughtful experiment, and it doesn't seem to really prove anything one way or another. But this one does, because they set up, it's Doug Hychek and Peter Smertz or Smits, or the, the photographic expert who's often on that show. They actually set up an experiment in some, maybe Hychek's backyard, where they have two cameras. One is a standard video camera, and one is a, a very extremely high-speed camera, and they have a timestamp camera in both shots so that they can link it up definitively. And nothing happens for a long, long time. They send out like a production assistant to shake the bushes, literally, and stuff starts flying around. And sure enough, they get a rod through the regular camera. They go back on the high-speed camera, and it's clearly a moth. Mm. And when you put them side by side, you can see, yeah, well, that's a rod. That's Anyone looking at that would say, oh, that's a classic description of a rod right there. And then in the other picture, it's like a still, and it's clearly a moth. So I think it's a, it's a matter of the exposure, the lighting, and just what a camera is focusing on. The, the, the other expert in the program actually gives a pretty detailed, well-thought-out description of you know, what an artifact is in an image and how cameras work, and how today we tend to think, well, if a camera captured it, then that's exactly what was there. But even with as high uh, quality images and technology as we have, that's not necessarily the case. You know, the, the camera tries to capture or at least approximate what flew through, but it's, there's still limitations with that. So they're not real? I, th- <laughs> there's no way they're real. Like, I, this is the only... Of all the topics that I've followed related to the paranormal, this is the one that I watched come in huge where people were, like, super into it and then just disappear the, med- the, the moment everyone realized... It was pretty much, there's no way it's real. So I can't think of another one that, that is to this extent because they've tried to do it for years with Bigfoot and Loch Ness Monster and, you know, d- definitively prove something isn't real. And you watch it, those topics rebuild in popularity. This one never went through a second resurgence. Yeah. It had its time in the spotlight and then it just disappeared. Yeah, there's no rod renaissance. No, not yet. We're working on it. I'm here to announce on the trail of rods. <laughs> it's squad, squad exclusive. Yeah. Squad exclusive. Andy Matty production. On the trail of rods. Uh, it's going to be us just shooting fields. <laughs> on the trail then, of skyfish. Yeah. Well, see, the I'm thing is, Adrian's favorite cryptid is our sky squids. And I thought, oh, maybe this will be related to that. It's not really. Not um, really. Not really. You know what's interesting, though, is that... You would think if there was any parallels at all, it would be to UFOs. Mm -hmm. And in all the literature, I don't ever recall a UFO being described in the terms of a rod. I mean, you've got cigar-shaped craft and boxcars and cylindrical objects, but I don't... This is very um, specifically when it's freeze-framed and so forth. You've got sort of those wavy short wings on the side, and I just... That doesn't seem to be a feature of like craft that are spotted from a UFO. Well, it's so tied to the visual medium. Correct. Like, are there eyewitness stories relating to rods or is it entirely like photos? It's entirely related to photos because almost always the story that you get, and this of course is based completely on the Monster Quest episode, yeah, yeah, yeah. is that 
I'm glad when, to see that we both did the yeah, same level when of the, research. When there's people in a shot and a rod is spotted, there's no recognition of the on the part of the person that, you know, oh my goodness, a rod just flew by. Mm-hmm. And that's again and again mentioned as essential fact is that you can't see it with the naked eye. It only appears later on on video. Andy's texting me while we're sitting here next to each other. So, okay. Where was I about to go? Oh, um, no, I forget. I had some, I had some tie that, that struck a, uh, uh, something in my head that related back to a nerve cord. Yeah, that's it. That related <laughs> back to the PGF. And now I can't think of oh. what it was and it's going to drive me crazy, but it's gone. Something to do with there's rods in the Paris and Gimlin film. Yeah, there, oh, definitely there are. Film. Yeah. Um, we've been looking in the wrong place. Yeah. Trail of for one. Oh, you got to <laughs> go <laughs> every place we've been. You got to go back to the film to I've find the rods. They're real. <laughs> uh, can you talk about that, Jose es- Escamilla? Did you do any research on him? Because I did Monster Quest research. Okay, because because he made I did watch okay. that episode. Yeah, he Just made a recently. movie called like Ros- the Roswell Rods. Hmm. So he had supposedly like captured all these rods on video near Roswell, and then he made a documentary about it called the Roswell hmm. Rods. Now he's making documentaries about like the moon being full of color as opposed what? to as opposed to just sort of silverish oh um uh so i don't know about this man i'd like to know that reason yeah look up the trailer okay it's great um cool yeah but, i mean in the in the at the time of the episode mm-hmm. when this aired he was um evidently had the largest collection of rod videos mm-hmm. that one person had naturally yes and I mean, on, in the interview that's conducted with him, I mean, he, he remains pretty noncommittal about what he thinks they are, but he's not afraid to go in the direction of an uh, like interdimensional hypothesis mm-hmm. to explain them. I mean, he's, I, what does seem to come through in the interview and, and his portion of the episode is that he, he's convinced that they were real in the sense that they represented something new and undiscovered. I don't know how persuaded he would be by a natural explanation mm-hmm. regarding camera apertures, et cetera. Is this just from, is this just like a remnant of a different time? Cause we talked the other day about how wide eyed optimistic early nineties, Bigfoot research was, is that what we're dealing with is like another one of those things where it was just such a specific point in time that something like this could catch on in the, in the public attention. I, there may be a lot to that. Mm. I really think you're onto something because you know, this was when this really hit big time. You were not that far removed from Chupacabra, which mm-hmm. we just talked about. Yeah, and that really did represent like a new era of cryptozoological excitement, as we talked about on the episode and the the distribution of that story across platforms. And that there was a wide-eyed excitement with that. Like something brand new has been cited and we can all follow it in real time. So perhaps there was a, an, a rush or a, an eagerness to uncover the next chupacabra in yeah. a sense. Uh, that may have played into this quite a bit because it, it really was, it's as the, the more that I think about it as we're talking, it really is one of the most flash in the pan type 
yeah. of unexplained stories that I can think of. And you're not dealing with, the interesting thing about it is you're not dealing with like Ogopogo or Champ or, you're not dealing with a regional monster. It was, it was global. And that's not super common for a phenomenon to become the hot topic and then to disappear on that scale. Like you could see it if it was some, something like Loch Ness and they had a definitive debunking of some sort of photographic evidence or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just think, I, th- I think it's such a unique case. Like we just don't see the like in, in cryptozoology or ufology or whatever no, it, you term this. Not really. And I think the, the other interesting thing too is looking back on the episode that I watched. I mean, it gives you a sense of when you have an exciting idea, the type of things that you'll do to support that. I mean, one case in particular, they were looking at a a freeze-framed image of a rod in flight, and somebody had just gotten done explaining how, you know, when you have a two-winged creature, for example, with a streaked image like you would see in one of these videos, that's, that's the product of a creature with two wings. But the way that this one frame was was situated on the screen, it looked like there were three. And so they were building, the the researchers looking at that image, you could see them beginning to build this case for, well, we know that that's not true because this has three wings. And you look at it and you just say, you know, I don't know. I mean, the lengths to which people will sometimes go to support their theory, even when a very mundane explanation has been offered. Mm -hmm. And it's fairly obvious to see what it really is uh, we many times uh, you know human psychology would rather support the theory because it's more important to us to do that there's a video i found of rods underwater man was like looking for f- sharks or something mm-hmm. and sees rods is that something you came across to that yeah that monster there was episode. an underwater scene in is the monster- there there is yeah. oh, okay it- then that's going to be more that's not going to be what i saw then because what i saw is recent so what is that? Okay. What is the Monster Quest video? What year? No, I mean, or, what what is it showing? There's... Um, white flecks. It's like a... Screen. Yeah, it's something towards the middle of the screen that it's approaching the screen and going over the top of the camera mm. at a high rate of speed. Okay. A.K.A. a fish. Yeah. <laughs> All right. There's no things on, underwater but water. Um, I got nothing else. This is... Uh, we solved this one. There's no rods. Case closed. <laughs> Case closed. Monstropolis does it again. Be sure to subscribe to the uh, uh, anti-rod society. So, can, <laughs> yep. so Andy can go on the on, on the, the case again. Of, of rods and prove to you once and for all that this is a hundred percent real. Disclaimer: There's no such thing as on the there, trail of there, rods. There will be. <laughs> I'm gonna start my own squad. <laughs> Monsteropolis Squad, brought to you by Andy Maskey. On the trail of Rod Stewart. (laughs) We don't know that he's real either. (laughs) Um, Okay, that's that's it, right? That's all. Sure. That's good. All right. Rods. Rods. Rods, everybody. Um, Rods, won't you? Yeah. uh, If you like the show, leave us a rating or review on iTunes or Google or wherever you listen to shows. Watch it. Enjoy... Um, Mark of the Bell Witch comes out on mm. December 15th. Watch that. And uh, M- a Mothman Legacy is still out there as well. So 
Okay, that happy, does it. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. This is dropping probably tomorrow. I need to get this up before I go on Thanksgiving holiday to the British Isles. Ooh, going on holiday. I'm going on holiday. <laughs> okay, I don't. Goodbye. Bye, guys. <laughs>